Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm fantastic. Welcome to Do You Queer What, what I, I queer. queer. We are Dickwick. That is Tom. And that is Elliot. And guess what? This is fucking part two. Of part two. Two-part inside out part feature. Part the, the part. <sighs> um, that's the audience roaring. Thanks for tuning in to part two. This episode was so great and grandiose. Yes. We couldn't shove it into one tight little episode hole. Don't call me that, first of all. And second of all, <laughs> listen, let's just get like queer real talk for a sec. Also, Jesse fucked up. I I, I didn't want to out him, but I'm cool. I mean, I, I I did, but I didn't want to. You know what I mean? Exactly. But go ahead, like, Elliot. Like, like throw him under the bus. I'll drive the bus over him. That's fine. Uh, it's, it's We're taking down the patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, so Jesse retaliated recently. Um, and so... Uh, Lisa Donato, who you'll hear from in this episode, both um, in a solo bit and then at the round table. So fucking lovely. Um, was so lovely. We recorded, of course, with Lisa in the room with everyone. Um, we had an amazing recording session. Uh, and then Jesse decided somehow to corrupt only her audio. So yeah. it was the patriarchy acting uh, acting to silence women. Um, and we're, we're really sorry yeah. for that. Jesse, like, you need to get it together. I'm tired of it. We're incredibly We know exhausted. you're a misogynist. We know you're violently against women. And we cannot stand for it. We cannot anymore. You need to move to Alabama or Ohio or one of those other states and just be done with it. I can't. Oh, my God. Jesse, for real. Eyes right now? Yeah. Fucking get it together. So, okay. So that happened. Um, yeah. So the queerest thing is that that is gone. It's in the ether now. So what queer way to listen to Lisa's interview than just to put your ear to a conch shell? And that's what you'll just pause this episode. Y- you'll hear it. Yeah. You'll hear it. Yeah. Just fucking kidding. We, yeah. so we called Lisa. Uh, we had a phenomenal conversation with Lisa um, over FaceTime and that's, that's going to take the place of our in-studio recording that we did. I actually like it a little bit better because we were able to go a little bit more in depth about her film and her life. Yes. And, um, Absolutely. So that's good. You're actually... It's a blessing in disguise. It's a blessing in disguise, mate. Tom failed voice class, I just <laughs> found out. So that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> um, Thomas, before yeah. we before we get into the second part... Um, yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, how are you doing? Like, what's your fucking color? Um, uh, I'm not... I'm Whatever. I'm not doing well. My color's like a... I don't know. A, a charcoal black. Great. You know what, what used to be... Like a really vibrant, uh, radiant volcano. Yes. That would like erupt and like cause beauty and torment. Yes. Well, this volcano is now dead, encrusted, breaking apart. And um, so you went from a Mount Vesuvius to a Mount v- Venovius. Duh, Vino- ah, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. Okay. Um, I can. I can get behind that. I might be able to help you with my color. Yeah, um, I'm a volcano. No. Thank you. That was way fucking Yeah, better. I know. My uh, Jesse, edit that. I volcano. I'm not a woman, so you... <laughs> so he's not going to silence you. Um, My color is just like... Do you ever get the urge to just rub like like really juicy blueberries on your nipples? <laughs> um, Not until right this very second. Like my nipples feel tingly. They feel hard. They yeah. feel like they need cold blueberries. And maybe I want to drink some lemonade... While I get the bluest of berries just tickling my nipples. I know I said this in part one. I'm going to say it again because it's even more true in part two. Your energy tonight is erratic at best. <laughs> like, since I got here, you haven't stopped pacing 
and like just placing things in weird places How dare and like you? putting on things and taking them off and pretending that you're really busy even though you're actually <laughs> not doing anything How fucking dare you <laughs> at me like that tom you <laughs> son of a bitch it's very strange i mean i'm into it and i want to support your erratic behavior but now as my, long as you're okay and healthy i'm great my nipples are just so blue so <laughs> that's my color thomas yeah you go I know we're just, we're, we're waiting. We got lots that we want to say. Uh, I just want to um, start this episode. My um, my manager at work uh, is doing something really, really cool for Pride Month. And I just wanted to plug it really quickly. Um, so in honor of Pride Month and its history and continued legacy as both a protest and an outpouring of love in print, which is a like in print drop-in design studio is hosting a free community print drop-in. And that's next Saturday, June 15th, from 12 to 3.30 at the Imprint Collective Studio. That's here in Toronto at 58 Wade Avenue, Unit 8A. It's a bit tricky to find, but that's what makes it so queer. Uh, It's absolutely free. Uh, Just bring your own tea. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. So bring your own tea tank or tote, get one of three designs printed as either a rainbow roll or a single color, and the options for prints are just really quickly uh, backed by popular demand since the Ford government has certainly not shown any love or support for LGBTQ community is Just Say No to Doug's, which is my personal favorite. Fuck yes. Uh, The other option is Gender is a Spectrum, Not a Rule. And the last one is hands making a heart image, which is like simple and nice. Please ensure that your textile is of natural fiber and is not heavily textured. I don't get that, but you probably do. Amazing, because people generally know more than we do. Right. This event is not officially associated with Pride TO, but we wanted to make sure we showed uh, support for Toronto's queer communities. That's, of course, uh, the Imprint Collective saying that. Yay. Um, cool. Do you know what's... Uh, they're not... Sorry, I just need to say they're not currently mobility accessible. There's five steps leading up to the space. Uh, if you if you want... Uh, if this is a barrier, please reach out at imprints.collective at gmail.com and we'll work out a way to get you a shirt. And the event is kid and pet friendly. That's next Saturday, June 15th. Whoa, Tom. That was amazing. That was a lot. Guess what isn't free? Oh, no. No, 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 no. It's fine. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, anything in life. <laughs> oh, my God. You fucking depressive. <laughs> Our merch isn't free. Right. Um, but you should probably still go to doyouqueer.com um, and show some support for a queer show. Right. Um, you can buy a shirt and then print over it. Actually, maybe, I guess you can't. You, you could you could if you'd like. Yeah. Um, and maybe um, that way we can buy a, a better fourth microphone. Because as you'll all hear in the roundtable conversation, um, and this wasn't Jesse's doing. I'd love to blame this on him. I think it was. And I'm tired of you making excuses for him. That's fine. He probably sabotaged it. But our fourth microphone is not um, as stellar as our other three. And I apologize. So Tom and I are on that track. We're sorry. We don't speak for very much. Get through our babbling idiotness. Um, we're we're there for the guests. The guests yeah. have the beautiful mics, beautiful voices. So, yeah. Um, I have one more thing to say. Uh-oh. Do you also? Yeah. Do yours? Uh, mine is uplifting. Do you? Would you like to go first? Sure. You know what? I will go first. Um, I don't know. This is just hot off the press here. So, excuse my sort of dumb faggotry in the knowledge of this. But actually, last night in Toronto being uh, June 5th today, so 4th, June 4th, um, there was an anti-LGBTQ protest that drew a crowd right in the church in Wellesley neighborhood, which is literally spitting distance from where we record. Um, 
it's it's very very troubling it's yes. very very troubling and and the sort of the ripple effect becomes a little bit more troubling too so on the day Toronto mayor John Tory proclaimed this month pride month LGBT anti-LGBT protesters attracted some attention in the Church and Wellesley area about 30 to 40 people were gathered as protesters from the Christ Forgiveness and Torch of Christ, which is ironic. Um, For fuck's sake. Movements delivered messages against the LGBT community, some in support of the messages and some not, actually. I'm getting all my information from City News. So officers were called to the scene and they actually arrested one of the street preachers, claiming he was causing a disturbance after not complying with the police. So the the Sergeant Henry Dick Explain the difficulty becomes when that expression on loudspeaker and using screaming and insulting language results in people responding in a negative way. Duh. Absolutely duh. Duh. Uh, unfortunately, at that point, as you can see, the safety of everybody can be put at risk. So they don't have enough evidence right now to currently charge him with anything that relates to hate speech or a hate crime. But there are some videos out there that uh, you can sort of look up and see what he's talking about. So it's just a reminder. It's just a reminder. I, it's it's here. We're fighting still. Pride Month is meant to be a protest against people who don't want us to have rights. And I'd just really like to say, to tack on to that, um, I've been thinking through this a lot, and I know Tom and I have been discussing this a lot off, off air, just in our personal time, but... Um, so corporatization of pride uh, sucks. Like, I mean, it's yeah. it's great in the sense that funds might flow in, sure. Like, visibility might be raised, raised, sure. But I think one of the reason it sucks, which is not what I hear often, is that when people see pride flags everywhere, and especially on places like TD and RBC and, like, these big, um, like, monoliths uh, in our culture, is it makes people think that the fight is done or that, like, it normalizes it in a certain way. Um, yeah. Now to- we're just on to celebrating. Have some absolute vodka. Exactly. Exactly the point. Um, and then so that's to say, too, like, if you're listening, and I really do mean to be pointed here, and I'm really not sorry... Um, I should preface it with the fact that when you point fingers, of course, there's three more fingers pointing back at you. So this is for myself as well. But we need to be louder. We need to be more active, um, especially those of us who call ourselves allies or accomplices. Um, Complacency is an absolute no-no. Straight listeners, I know we have a lot and we love you, but also uh, please step up this, this month, this Pride Month especially, when things like this happen, literally outside of TD, which was hanging the pride flag, and yet yeah. also there was anti-queer protesting. Um, people aren't doing the work enough. And um, queers create amazing things and are activists, but it shouldn't always be queers that have to help queer issues. Yeah, it shouldn't be on, on queer people to, st- to take the front line on a protest like that, because a lot of the times they just don't have the, c- the capacity to do so. Right. And so that's really why, that's why the term ally or we want to say accomplice exists it's it's not just you're a friend of a gay or you know a gay guy or you know t- two gay guys that you want to set up it's acts of being on the front line and and helping queer people yeah against discrimination like well this. and i know you say gay too almost ironically there because like when we say it this time and again but uh it is like gay men gay cis men white men especially like got the rights and then got complacent and we're like we just want to get married you know and like allyship is like the straight girl who goes to a gay bar with her friend and like that's what people think queer activism is yeah do better yeah and there's been some uh, sorry just i know this is a bit of a tangent and i apologize to you elliot and our listeners if you're <laughs> exhausted by me um 
But there's been some rhetoric around um, uh, thanking the police for stepping in yesterday and arresting that guy and doing their job. And yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Elliot and I talked about this last night, of course. But um, yes, this one instance of the police stepping up, stepping in and, and doing their fucking actual job. Literally just doing the is, thing they should is be. Is good. Is, yep. is the sort of bottom rung of yeah. the ladder of what this community needs to rely on. Hey. Unfortunately, it, it doesn't mean... it. it it stops there. Like it, that doesn't erase like decades upon, you know, uh, uh, actively ignoring strings of queer murders in this city, particularly. Exactly. And amongst so much other just like systemic oppression in the policing system, um, which is not, yeah. Again, like great, great job. Yeah. Sort of fine job. Thanks. Thanks for doing your job. Like, but genuinely thank you. um, And thanks for not oppressing people more. Let's keep it up. Doesn't mean that cops should march in pride in uniform, right? Um, and if you, like, I know we'll say this again. We had an amazing guest that's coming up in a few weeks, Justin Ling. Yeah, so um, if you want to just kind of, like, get in touch with what we're going to talk about before the episode comes out with Justin Ling, who is uh, the investigative freelance journalist who worked on CBC's podcast, Uncover, um, and then colon The Village. So it's season three of Uncover. Um, and I plugged it before. I've gotten some messages from listeners saying, thank you. Listen to those people. Listen to us right now. Listen to Uncover. Listen to it. Listen to it. It's 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 unbiased, right? Yes. It's just going to tell some history of murdered queer people in the village, in this same village that where the protesters were last night. This is where we live. This is our neighborhood. These are our brothers and sisters and people in our community that have died. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it also give you a chance to fall in love with Justin Lang, and then you can fan queer the same way I did when we chatted with him. Speaking of chatting and Justin Ling and Hope. Yeah. You said you had something hopeful to say. Barack yes. Obama? Yeah, bro. <laughs> Strange. Um, so this is an update from Selena Vile, who is the amazing Torontonian drag queen who has graced this podcast with her greatness. Um, she posted an update from the Canadian Comedy Awards. Um, and Selena Vile is part of a sketch comedy group called Extravaganza Eleganza. And at the Canadian Comedy Awards, they won the first queer show. They were, sorry, the first queer show to win Best Production, which is so cool. That's and they awesome. also said, I love Selena for this. Thank you, Selena Vile. They added me and just gave me a rundown of how queers ruled the night. So another thing that happened was first gay stand-up ever won Breakout Star, and that's Kyle Brownrigg who is at Kyle Brownrigg. I love, I've seen him. He's, he's great. He's amazing. Two G's on the end of that. Um, first trans person won best stand-up, and that's Shanti um, Maristika. I might be butchering that last name. I apologize. Um, I've seen them too. They're amazing. They're coming on this podcast, so stay tuned for that. Fuck yeah. Uh, that handle is at C-H-A-N-T-Y-M-A-R-O-S-T-I-C-A. Um, and then, so finally... Um, a gay Victorian affair swept the web series category. And that handle is at gay Victorian AF. So fuck yeah. Cute, cute, cute. Yes, yes, yes. Now here's some American content creators and queer activists, writers, producers. You're going to hear Lisa Donato first, and then you're going to get to hear her again. And you're also going to get to hear Nick Neon and Mark Blaine at a round table. I can't uh, say again how cool and special and important this night was for Dickwick. Um, it was so nice to have just a huge group of queer fucking people just being inspired by each other and supporting each other in this in this really cool way. And I'm so happy to bring it to all our listeners. So my blueberry nipples are bursting. Stay tuned. Oh God, change your shirt. Ah, bye. <laughs>
Elliot, Tom. Pickwick listeners, here we are with writer, director, activist, Lisa Donato. Woo! Lisa, hi. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. What time is it right now for you in LA? It is 7.10 p.m. Oh, that's amazing. Cute. Thank you so, so much for doing this phone call. Time we're, is queer. And we're super yes. sorry that Jesse's the patriarchy. We yeah. try to have him stop, but it just doesn't work sometimes. It's, you know. it's a constant uphill battle. We all know. It's called, it's called unconscious bias. It's true. Um, and he's just bringing it to the fore. So that's great. Yes. Let's speak truth into it. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us tonight again. Um do you want to tell us about uh, why you're here talking to us? Yeah, so I am here um, because I uh, have a film screening at Inside Out. I'm the producer and director of it. Amazing. And that is There You Are, correct? Yes, correct. Um, so Tom and I just had the privilege of watching There You Are. And oh my God, uh, pause this podcast. Literally everybody go yeah. to lisadonato.com and watch it um, and thank her it was a fucking treat and yeah. i'm sure we'll get into why but yeah true do, do you want to uh, talk a bit about the short film for our listeners yes absolutely and thank you for that um glad that it's still resonating with people we maybe so, were all in tears <laughs> yeah. uh so jen richards who plays the main actress of the film She's a good friend of mine and also an incredible uh, artist, actress, writer, activist. Um, she approached me with the script and asked me to direct it. And we you know, found funding and six months later we were filming the short in Austin, Texas. And the inspiration for the film is essentially, you know, Jen was trying to rewrite a part of her history. Um, and she wrote this piece, and and the film is about a brand woman who goes back home, um, and she has to dress up as the guy that her family remembers um, to say goodbye to her grandmother who's dying. And it's, again, like everyone, seriously, if you haven't already paused it, pause it and go over and watch <laughs> it right now. We're also very, very interested in you as a person and as um, a queer creator and activist. And before we get too deep into it, can you tell us what your color is? Right now, my color is exploding oranges and reds. Okay, <laughs> yes, yes, okay. I'm on that journey with you. I just, uh, I think I told you guys last time we talked, but so the new feature that I just directed in Louisiana, uh, Sarah McLaughlin, who is from Canada, your your country. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin, your, whatever. Your land. S. McLaughlin. He wrote... He wrote an original song for the film, and I just got it about two hours ago. Oh, my God. And? So, it's, it's incredible. Oh, that's so fantastic. What is, what is this film about? Uh, so this film uh, is called Gossamer Folds, and it's, uh, it takes place in 1986, and it's about two, two neighbors. One is this 10-year-old boy, and his next-door neighbor... Uh, who is a 25-year-old trans woman. And they just form an unlikely friendship over one summer in 1986. And they're both misfits in their homes. And they just have this really cool kind of fox and the hound connection. And it's just a sweet, kind story. <laughs> That's phenomenal. And I feel like already to our listeners, your art and your activism speaks volumes. But 
Um, could you just give us a little bit um, about yourself and maybe a queer history? Well, sure. I'm uh, from Billings, Montana. Uh, not a lot of people know about it, but it's there on the map. You should Google it. <laughs> That's the Alberta prov- uh, Alberta state for <laughs> you Canadians. Right, true. Yes. Um, and, I mean, basically, I don't know. It's, it's weird because my parents are, uh, you know, they're bleeding heart liberals and they're artists and also activists. And I decided that I needed to find some kind of rebellion, you know, and to mm-hmm. find my independence maybe. And so I joined the Christian church and like did not follow their liberal <laughs> agenda. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was crazy. And, um, you know, I would come home and, and talk about church and they'd be like, don't bring that shit home. And I think it, I finally left the church because they didn't want gay people in it. Fuck. And I just, yeah. <laughs> um, finally came out. My parents were so excited. They're like, oh my God, thank God our daughter is normal. So I had kind of an opposite experience than most people. Um, but I just, you know, I think I realized that I didn't grow up like everybody else. And I wanted to serve as an activist for the queer community. Um, and I found that like telling stories and, and trying to write stories of people that aren't normally represented on screen is very healing. And I see it impact not just the people that are watching the film, but also the crews that are, you know, working behind the scenes. And they always say that like whatever happens behind the monitor is like what's going to happen in life and in the audience. And so to be part of a project that is, you know, changing literally the set that you're working on is just a really magical, phenomenal experience. That's so wonderfully put. My goodness. Every so often people say things on the show that I feel like wrote, they wrote down and said for us, like that couldn't be more (laughs) aligned with what I believe. And that's so beautiful. And there's just something about the power of queerness and storytelling together that just can't be matched. And like, just amazing. It's amazing work you do. I want to ask a question, just to go back, if you don't mind, to the short There You Are, just because I was so enthralled by it. I recognized something very different than other queer shorts that I've seen, and that was, spoiler alert, that it had a happy ending. <laughs> and I'm yeah. wondering if you could talk to us about the importance of, of what a happy ending in a queer film means. I mean, I think at the at the minimum, it, it brings hope, right? I mean, it's it's hard to dream in a hopeless world, and when you see characters that are constantly constantly being reflected back that have these tragic endings, it's like, what are you what are you aspiring for? And media is so powerful. I mean, especially now, like it, media, I feel like is the most important form of activism out there. Um, and specifically video media. Not to say that podcasts aren't important to people. <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> we love when our guests turn on us. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's getting you back for the patriarch. <laughs> well deserved. Thank you. Yes. Um, I, I actually had another question and we yeah. can cut it um, because I think I know the answer. But I'm just wondering, uh, you and Jen, I suppose, together or whoever decided to not have the main character speak at all, which is a very strong, interesting choice. And I'm wondering, uh, 
why? So yeah, so that was definitely Jen's choice, and she wrote it that way. And uh, it was very challenging as a director to <laughs> do something like that because I've never had a character, you know, a main character that didn't say a word. But luckily, she was um, such a fucking great actress that she can convey so much. Oh her, yeah, oh yeah, face. and it She's comes phenomenal. Yeah. It comes across so much without dialogue. Like yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah, well, she's 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 blowing up right now. She's got a lot of stuff. You'll see her. She has, she's on the new HBO series, Ms. Fletcher, um, that's about to come out. And did do you guys are you aware of Tales of the City? Yes, yes, I'm so excited for that. That comes out next week, I think. Yeah, yeah. So she has she's one of the main subjects in one of the episodes. Oh, wonderful! Oh my so God, you guys will love it. So check that out. It's coming out this weekend. But anyway, um, so the idea of having her character not speak is basically. The idea of everybody else projecting their views of the world onto her and then just her, you know, kind of silencing her own voice and having to to play a part, put on a costume to go back and like appease all of these people that are trying to make things better in their environment. So by her, you know, it's a symbol of like not having a voice, not not using the voice that she wants to be using and also this idea that everyone's projecting their you know ideas and perceptions onto her i love that so much and um the the short film too does so much for uh gender theory and uh, like projections of people's kind of ideology behind gender because you get to see the creativity and the joy but also the strife that it causes and to um to have her not speak really speaks volumes to that because without even realizing that's what i was doing i was projecting my own values of gender onto the film so i feel like it's very expertly done i loved uh, something i loved is that sorry? I'm speaking over both both of you. I apologize, but I'm just so excited. Um, it was almost Shakespearean in a way that like <laughs> that she had to that she had to go, um, you know, put on a costume mm-hmm. to go and be with her family. And right. I loved that it was so obvious to us, the viewers, how absurd it was. Yeah, totally. I know. To, to, exactly. You know, to supposedly dress as a gender that all, that maybe some of her family thought she was. Well, and I was wondering yeah. if, you, if you, Lisa, could speak to this too, because like in your own life, you kind of framed your, your own queer history as like a backwards queer history or as like an inverse of the expectation. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. And, yeah. and that's yeah. very much in the film too. I was wondering if you could speak a bit about that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is, is it's an inverse of what we normally see. I think, A, you know, we're past the point of, I mean, no, we're not really past the point because I think there's still people that are struggling with their identity and, and you know, coming out to their parents. But there is a lot of people that have had the privilege to have transitioned for a while. Mm-hmm. So like in Jen's case, you know, she, she's transitioned five years ago and then when you have to go backwards, you are essentially putting on a costume. And like, and I think that when we go back home or we go back to this place that maybe didn't accept us, we all have to put, um, put on a costume on some level. Oh, yeah. To, you know, to, to gain some kind of acceptance that we think that we need or we think that um, that environment is invoking, if that makes sense. So was it like um, you mentioned that it was a rewrite of maybe an autobiographical experience is, is exactly or, uh, so we're to assume that this is like a, a good a best case it's a best case scenario um i yeah basically jen in her real life her grandmother died and her family asked her you know if she came to the funeral that she would not have to be a woman and 
she'd have to be the man that her, you know, family remembered her as. And so she didn't go to the funeral. She missed it. And so she kind of reimagined that ending for herself and rewrote a part of her history. That's so powerful. And just, again, like speaks volumes to to media and queerness and hope, like you're saying, and this, this case that you're building here. Um, and I'm wondering, too, a little bit, like, I hope this question doesn't throw you for a loop too much, but um, hope is something that, again, which is why I was almost reduced to tears, it's something we really need more of, I think, on the mm-hmm. show and as queers in general. Um, and what, what gives you hope? Oh, boy. Um, getting an original song by Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Gives me a lot of hope. Um, and honestly, like, it's, it, it's I, I, I'm constantly brought back to this idea, and I said it before, but how do we dream in a hopeless world? Mm-hmm. Us as artists and us are that are, how we're trying to constantly, you know, be inspired and, and then create from that inspiration, right? Like, it's hard right now. Absolutely. And so I think, however, I, you know, my friends inspire me. The people that are, like, swimming through adversity and hardship yet still, you know, keep moving on and, and, and thriving gives me hope. Um, the witness of that, the witness of, of survivors, survivorship, people that make art, you know, finding ways to keep myself inspired, like keeps me going. Wow. That's so amazing. Thank you. Now Tom is in tears, literally. <laughs> so thanks. Thanks for that. No, it's good. I'm <laughs> and you guys are so good for my ego. Thank you. He's pulling Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare in tears. That's what you can expect yeah. from us. Shakes tears. Okay. Anyway, that was awful. I'm not crying anymore. Um, I, I do have a question too. Um, in, in this short film, uh, and this is something you've, you've spoken about before, so I'm kind of trying to set you up here, but uh, like as a cis woman yourself filming a trans narrative um, and navigating the, the storytelling of that, and I was wondering if mm-hmm. you could speak a little bit to that process for yourself. Yeah, well, one, I worked very closely with the writer, and I think, um, you know, as a creator that doesn't maybe have the same experience as a main subject in your film, because even in my feature film, it also dealt with a trans woman. I think you just have to partner with somebody who lives in that experience side by side while you tell the story. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the most you know authentic place to, to start from and create with. Absolutely. Um, can you speak a little bit about the feature film that's on your website? Yeah, so um, basically we are in post-production uh, it's, I think I, I just gave you the log line a little bit ago, so, but do you guys, have you guys ever watched The Simpsons? Yes. Of course. Ever heard of it? The yeah. Simpsons raised <laughs> me, basically, I think. Yeah, I think it raised all of us. Yeah. Um, so Lisa Simpson, uh, the, the voice of Lisa Simpson is a woman named Yardley Smith, and she basically found this script, and she is, I mean, you guys need to know who this person is. She is, like... She's a straight ally, and she's like the single uh, highest donor for LGBTQ rights. Wow! World in the world. Wow! I did not you're know kidding that. me. And so when she found the script, I mean, she's somebody that really like puts her money where her mouth is. You know, she's an ally. She's an advocate. She's an activist, and she's like, I'm going to finance this film, and I'm going to find a female director and a female queer director. And so she. Basically, went on my website, 
uh, her and her producers watched my work and then they hired me for this film. And so oh, she's just... Oh my lord, that is Yeah, it, fucking... it's a really cool experience. Oh my god, that's so, so cool. So when, um, post-production, when can people expect to be able to see it? Well, hopefully it gets into TIFF. <laughs> we just submitted to TIFF a couple days ago. Amazing. Yeah, so if it does, then we'll have a, another call and a dance party. Oh, that's so, so, yeah, we absolutely have to do it. That's <laughs> I know so a exciting. programmer at TIFF, so I'm going to go harass the fuck out of him. You should, please. That would be amazing. Yeah. We'll stick, um, we'll but yeah, festival circuit, and then it'll get released, you know, probably early next year. Amazing. We can also sick Jesse on TIFF if your film doesn't make it, and he can delete all of their films. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> so no Perfect. one can see them. <laughs> Perfect man for the job. Right, exactly. Yeah. Emphasis on man as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lisa, how was your time in Toronto after looking back on it? Oh, God. I just... Can I just talk about Canada? Yeah. Please. I, if, you, if you cut me, I would bleed Canada. <laughs> I I love it so much and I you know tried to move there in 2006 applied for citizenship never heard back um it probably got lost in the mail because patriarch thanks um, yeah <laughs> Jesse found it and set fire to it yeah <laughs> uh yeah so I just I just love Canada I feel like babies don't cry in Canada I feel like people are just a little bit happier Generally speaking, it's nice to hear you say that. However, we are not without our major problems. <laughs> yeah, as it's well. true. It's true. It's true. Um, I just want to keep it a fantasy for now. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, and also, yeah. like, it, there is something to be said about hope too, and like, I hope for Canada that is like that, and I love to hear that that's the way that you saw it. You know, because um, it is easy to take things for granted. And Toronto, Tom and I always say, is our little bubble. Yeah. Um, and even going outside of it and then coming home, I I forget to to really take it in um so it's nice to hear yeah how was your trip back to LA uh it was a bucket of ice cold water in my face (laughs) ah that's a color that's a color so it went from babies (laughs) oh there's a snort (laughs) from babies not crying to to the ice bucket challenge basically exactly (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, Lisa, thank you very much for joining us. Can you plug your uh, short and your feature and anything else you'd like to uh, our listeners to know about one more time? Yes, please. I mean, you can find all of my work on my website. Um, and specifically, my, my latest release, There You Are, uh, it's about a trans woman who has to dress up like a guy in order to say goodbye to her grandmother, starring Jen Richards. Um and then my feature is called Gossamer Folds. And it's, yeah, just be looking out for it, I guess. And what is your uh, Instagram <laughs> handle, if our listeners would like to find you? It's at Director Donato. Um, Great. Also, wait, be- before you go, um, can you yeah. talk a bit? I think I was trying to probe you to talk about Signature Move as well, but I didn't know how to do that. Um, that is another oh, signature uh, move. That's yeah. another feature film you have, You're right? You're so good at transitions, Elliot. Thank you. I'm clunky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Signature Move is a film that I co-wrote with Fazia Mirza, who is also my roommate and creative collaborator. Um, and we released that to the festival circuit in 2017. I think it played over like 150 festivals. Wow. Um, and now it's on Amazon Prime Video, if you guys want to watch it. Yes, it's, and it's everyone the, buy it. Okay, please. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a rom-com. It's another, you know, 
film that's that's based in in real life stories and and also there's an activism there but it's it makes you laugh the whole time so you don't even realize it <laughs> i love that <laughs> yeah Amazing. Yeah. Um, and on your website here, it says a queer Muslim woman takes care of her TV obsessed mother and copes by taking um, lucha style wrestling, which is yeah. the most amazing and bizarre string of words. <laughs> I and mean, I, it's the queerest sentence I've ever literally, heard. Literally, that's the queerest <laughs> sentence. So if everyone. It's, I, it's a rom com mom com. Right. Oh my <laughs> God. I want that on a t shirt. That's phenomenal. Yes. Um, okay. Thank, thank you. you very much for joining us. Uh, don't worry, listeners. There's lots more of Lisa to come at when we uh, sit down at the round table. Yeah. So thank you so much, Lisa, again. All right. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye. So here we are with Nick, Mark, and Lisa um, at the big finale round table. Um, of this really cute queer inside out special. So what we would like to just kind of feel to the three of you is our uh, season three question, which is what has helped foster queerness in your life, either personally or professionally, artistically? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's an incredibly vague question and it's purposefully so. No, it's gorgeous. So Mark, gorgeous. what are your first thoughts on something like that? Um, my first thoughts, I think, are inspired by being here in Toronto at Inside Out and feeling like I'm at queer summer camp. Mm. And it's beautiful so and true. wonderful. And uh, I think what what helps me be an artist and foster the queerness in me is actually experiences like this. Because I'm going to go back to New York and I'm going to go back to the grind. And I'm going to get down probably about just life and the hardships and student debt that I've had for a long time and uh, but I think it's queer experiences like this and being with family and safe spaces that will help me like drive my art forward and that's what makes me who I am I love that so much. Yeah. We're always looking for things to kind of hold on to, and that was really fantastic. <laughs> we're fine. We're totally fine. It sounds like we're okay, right? Because that's how it is. I'm definitely, definitely fine. Mark, I'm wondering, uh, and you don't have to speak to this. We can cut it all if it's uh, too personal. But I'm wondering, was there a moment in your life that you were like, I'm queer. I don't want to be quiet anymore. So this is who I am. Was there something that sort of sparked you or set you off? Yes, I mean, that's what happened when I was a teenager. Um, I had to say I was queer or else I was going to die. Like, I had to say it, and I did, and it was revolutionary in 2003, 2004 in Indiana. People were in shock. I was, like, the only person to come out, and uh, I was then put into the hallway in my high school where the lockers are... Uh, segregated for people of color and then the queer kid and I kid you not that's a real that was a real thing so yeah it was Indiana's fucked up I mean we we gave you Mike Pence um, I, I was gonna say I don't know much about Indiana except Mike Pence yeah <laughs> Hey, James Dean. James Dean. James Dean, yeah. That's Indiana. Or the other one? No, like, the original. Okay, cute. <laughs> so, yeah, Indiana, like, it, it made me come out um, earlier because I had to survive. I, if I didn't say it, I was gonna, gonna die. <laughs> I second that. I, I came out at 16, and I, I, 
I had prepared to kill myself. Like I said, I'm going to come out to my parents and depending on the look on their face, I'm just going to like jump off my roof. So, yeah. Um, thanks for jumping in there, Nick. And where were you at 16? Like what? Because, you know, Mark was in Indiana. Were you in a similar location? Yeah. No. So I was, I mean, I was in New York and New York historically is quite open, but you know, like growing up in my environment, like I grew up in a very like low class sort of environment. Like it was very projecty. Like it was, it was like one step above project buildings. And so it was like, there's a lot of like, I don't know what, even what to call it. Like a lot of hip hop influence. And it was just like very not gay friendly. And so like, I just didn't, I mean, and then within that, it was also like, I was dealing with like identity issues of race because I was like, my dad is like redhead freckled, but speaks perfect Spanish. And my mom is Korean. And it's like, so I never felt white. I just like, my dad only like spoke, you know, in Spanish and then in English with like other people of color. So it was always this weird thing for me. But I just reached a point where like, I, you know what it is? It was the summer right before my senior year of high school. I went to this special program at Parsons uh, School of Design and I did like a fine arts program and it was the first time I encountered other queer people, gay people. And I was like in love with all of them, like deeply in love with all of them. I was like confessing my love to all of them because I was like, this is the only chance I'm ever gonna get to like fall in love with someone. And like, and then after that summer was over, I had to face my reality, like you were just saying. And I went, I just had to give, I had to come back to my life and I was like entering my senior year and my mom took me and my brother to like Vegas for like vacation. And I just remember saying, telling her, I prompt preempted, I was like, mom, when we get back to New York, I gotta tell you something. And she didn't know what it was. And then when I got back, I, I told her and it was not the best experience, but I don't know. I, I, to answer the question, like the initial thing about like what fosters queerness, it's literally for me, and I feel like maybe this is a little similar for you too, Mark, but it's like, the 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 des, like the urgent desire to breathe is what initially fostered queerness. I just needed to say my piece or I was gonna die, and that's literally like that was the beginning of me coming into my identity. And it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. It, anyway, that's yeah. That's what it is. No, I really resonate with that. It's like it's such a desperate, desperate place to be, yes. but it's really real. And I come back to it as an adult, like it comes back, it's not gone forever. Um, That's why it's like, you know, when you get to be in this like queer utopia that is inside out slash Toronto for me right now is like my queer utopia, um, then it's it's really powerful and beautiful and we have to hold on to it when we get back. Yeah. Yes. I love those answers, and just before we hear from Lisa, I just want to say, in asking this question, um, Tom and I are pretty careful to say that we don't assume that it's a single moment, and that, like, because queerness is kind of an, an always becoming, right? And, like, an always bubbling forth, and it's not as though it has to be kind of one thing, and it's it's an ongoing project, essentially. Mm. Tom's laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only laughing at you because I was the one who was like, and tell me a moment, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> not at you, but with you. <laughs> laughing with you. Lisa, how about you? Well, I think it's interesting, you know, hearing both of you talk and uh, what bubbles up for me is what fosters the queerness in us is the antithesis of what people think it is. And I think 
people are so scared, you know, for your kids to watch like something that's queer or to be a part of a queer community or know somebody that's queer if you're scared of that already because you're, you're going to become that, right? And actually what makes us like grow and become one in, in our queerness is safe spaces, whatever that looks like. And, you know, for me, it was music and it was music community. It was, mu- it was working in record stores and it was, I, I grew up in Montana and although my parents are both like super liberal and like artists and, and, you know, bleeding heart liberals, I had, you know, the world is very homophobic and I, you know, knew I was gay at a young age and I rebelled and joined the church and joined, formed this Christian rap group and, you know, went home and, and I, my parents, my my parents were like, don't bring that shit into our house households. And I I was like, but you're going to go to hell. You got to get saved by Jesus. And, and they just, and I just want, tried to pray the gay away for years. And then finally I joined a sorority in college where you're definitely not going to meet women and fall in love. And I fell in love with a woman and she fell in love with me back. And I finally came out to my parents and they were like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and it was like such an opposite experience. Did you and her rap, like Christian rap together? <laughs> Not, we like, didn't, but I <laughs> did with other people. <laughs> can you sing? Can you rap a few bars for us? I can beatbox a little bit. Please do. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus loves me because I'm gay. And Jesus died on a cross. <laughs> That's pretty much Woo! all I can do. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like the most. It's oh like the whitest, like white girl rap beatboxing. That's like. It's gorgeous. You're from Montana. Circa 1994. Oh my god. Yeah, but I think safe spaces is definitely how I learned how to foster my queerness. We have a, a mini curveball here. Um, there's a second part to this question for us, and it's that. Um, how going forward might you foster queerness in other people? Or do you already, of course? Yeah, literally why you're in this city, I suppose. But do you want to vocalize that for us? I just like want people to not go through the horrible shit that I went through. Yes. Um, as a queer person, as an artist even, like I want other filmmakers to not um, deal with the pitfalls that I did with trying to make a queer story in a, as a feature film, which is a fucking beast. And people are like, well, that's a lot of money. And who are you? And why are you important? And why do you deserve to tell your story? Which is a thing right now that we're really talking about. Like, like why should your story be told? Um, so this whole thing that like you're being told to like live your dream and live your truth, it's like, actually, there's money involved and there's reality and education and uh, a lot of things that hold back that dreaminess of of overcoming obstacles. So I want to foster in queer artists and uh, foster them to know that like there are actually really shitty obstacles. And let me sit you down and tell you what is not going to change. And we're not living in a perfect world yet, but we're trying to get there and be all inclusive and fair. And fairness will never be there. Like. Mm completely but yeah i just want to like help young people like like overcome the the shittiness of what life can throw at you hope (laughs) hope hope yes and i thought that was like really cute that you talked about hope because my movie also ends with hope and um and you were talking about your feature lisa about how there's hope at the end 
and uh, I think queer movies and queer stories and queer people should be um, emanating hope in, in more than one way because it's not happening. We keep on talking about all the bad things, which is important because we have to recognize them and show the world that like actually 2019 is not as perfect as you think. But um, we deserve happy stories too. And hope is actually really happy. Mm. I want to chime in. Is that cool? Please. Oh, my God, please. <laughs> do, do, do. Um, I just think right now, you know, not to be cliche in the times that we're living in to say that, but in the times that we're living in. Cliche. I <laughs> Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Asshole. Uh, <laughs> I just think we as content creators hold so much power right now because I think we are at, we are desperate for hope. And I think we're escaping in content that either we, we escape in or that brings us hope. And we are, we as content creators have a responsibility to create spaces and, and media and material that makes people feel like it's not so fucking dire. You know, even if it's, it's not the truth or if it's the truth, I just, I feel like we have a responsibility right now. And that's how I want to continue to foster, you know, queerness and others, or just not even just queerness, but safety. You know, yeah. imagine if we felt safe in our yes. relationships and our yeah. friendships and our jobs and our every fucking thing. It's all about that feeling, you know? And it becomes so dire too, because we all have the ability. I shouldn't say all actually people with access to the internet and to phones and such have the ability to um, create content so, so quickly and so readily. And so it's like, yeah, we, we need frivolous things sometimes, um, and politics can be frivolous, frivolous, of course, but uh, we all need to be saying at least a little something and be working towards that a little bit because um, the heat is just cranking up. I feel not to be like an alarmist or anything, but the time is the time is fucking now, yeah. you know? It and is. if you're going to say something, yeah, it's got to be now, and you've got to stand for something. And silence is, is death Complacency right is complacency. the devil. It like, is. For it real. Is. Yeah. It really is. I love everything you just said. Yeah. Like it really resonates and it's true and it's empowering to hear you speak. Like yeah. that's what it is to be queer right now is to empower others. And also Lisa, I can tell that you are a cat because every time you speak, my cat gets really excited. <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot. We've bonded. We've bonded so hard. I've noticed that cat has been following you around and yeah. Lisa's a cat whisperer. <laughs> and cat extraordinaire. Stop calling that creature a cat. Pussy's no. Oh, sorry. Really isn't. Lizard. Sorry to miss, not Lisa. I oh, yes. Oh my, god. <laughs> oh, my god. Case in point. People. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, this is the best time to tell you that I literally hate you. <laughs> no. Is that a safe space for yeah, you? I'm okay, aroused so by that. Thank you. <laughs> um, Nick, can we hear from you about fostering yeah. queerness going forward? Um, yeah, so, okay, so, like, even, I feel like I have to, like, preface this with just the term queerness in general, because I came out at 16 gay, and I've lived as a gay man for the last, I would say, what, 13, 14 years, and then I started to realize that the term gay didn't, I didn't identify with it as much as I thought I did, and you know, like we think when you when you look at the world at large and you say gay, it means man who likes a man and will have sex with a man. But like I had to it took a long time for me to like understand that queerness is separate from being gay in the sense that queerness is other. And 
I have had a hard time always trying to fit into gay culture. I don't follow a lot of things that have become intrinsically gay. Like, you know, like like drag culture. And, and I, I have a deep appreciation of all those things. I just don't have an entry point. And so in a weird way, I find myself sometimes feeling excluded from even the club of being gay. And I found that the only word that actually means something to me now is queer. Because I have always felt other. I've always felt queer within my family as an artist, being Asian with my friends, being gay. So like, I really, like for me, fostering queerness is even more than just filmmaking. It's like, my film definitely fosters queerness in the sense that like, we can all exist here and we can be okay. But in my day-to-day life, I feel like I'm constantly trying my damnedest to just let people know that they're okay as they exist because a lot of people feel like other they constantly feel other even straight people feel other sometimes and i'm i feel like i'm always just like stop stop feeling like little like because i see so much and so like i feel like i've done that i feel like again it's one of those things where it's like i wish i had that fairy god figure to do that for me when i was younger and so I feel like a deep like responsibility to constantly foster queerness in everyone because we're all a little queer. We just don't want to. You need a leather daddy. Yeah, everyone needs a leather daddy, and everyone needs to guide you. Yeah, yeah we everyone all do. Needs, yeah. Side Pass me you. the leather. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also throw out a faggy godmother. That's yes, not great. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, you're my faggy godmother. Oh. Earlier. <laughs> Queef dust, everyone. I might have queef a condition. Dust? Do you queef, queef like glitter, dust? please? You or queef like glitter. just dust? Oh my god! Uh, Bunnies come out sometimes. Yeah. I just wish you'd stop queefing. Just joking. I'm not trying to silence your queef hole. Oh. <laughs> okay, so uh, I have another thing to. Uh, we have another thing to ask you, if you don't mind looking over onto the island that separates the kitchen and the living room. <laughs> there is a being in front of you. And what I really wish from all of you, I'm excited because you're f- very fresh to this gimmick. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd love to hear what you see before your eyes. Wow. I see an, a Colorado lesbian activist. <laughs> I love that. I don't know what Colorado means, but I love that. <laughs> this is Prop 8. This is Prop 8. That's, yeah. yeah. So... I think it's I think it's um, the return of Carrot Top, and he came out, and he's oh, finally no. being himself. Which and, is know, a cat? As a cat, yes. he came out as, as a, a cat, cat yeah. wearing a American Apparel tank. Yeah, top. <laughs> that pauses is part of it. I think I see very similarly to both of you. Um, Saint Patty, the patron saint of gay. Snakes need not apply. Never. <laughs> I don't know what that means. 
St. Pat. Oh, wait. I see St. Patty. I see an Irish woman. I feel like we don't have the same reference point. No, we don't. No. (laughs) If anything, my reference point was St. Patrick was the the person who uh, uh, banished all the snakes from Ireland. Oh, no. I am not that type of, like, religious person. (laughs) No. I was going off Lawrence and the Machine. I was doing St. Jude, and I was like, no, we're doing St. Pat. Also, this is so weird because um, her name is Pamela. So St. Pam. I got two of the letters. I won. (laughs) (laughs) Give me my stuffed animal. (laughs) It better be a stuffed leather daddy. (laughs) Actually, you got Pamela now. Stop. No, No, I cannot put that in my luggage. (laughs) I flew. Is that a dog or a cat, though? It's a cat. Actually. It's a dog. Well, they can identify with however they want. <laughs> Just joking. Actually, that's oh not God. a funny joke. She's a cat. She's a cat. <laughs> okay. You, yeah. you almost guilt tripped me. I was like, oh my God, I made assumptions. I made lazy assumptions. No, no. Is she, she an she's athlete? Yes. Okay. Yes. I can tell by her head yeah. where. Her but hair where? Is yeah. she actually okay, somebody? What kind of athlete would you think she is? I would think that she's like an Olympian, like a track star. Track. A running. tennis player. Yeah. <gasps> Both. She runs on the track. She runs on the tennis. Yeah. Court. She runs around in circles. In thank circles. You, thank you for going with us. With on balls. This journey. <laughs> it must Beautiful. be very bizarre to Those. do a cold take it. of this entire thing. No, but we're here for yeah. it. It was yes. flawless. So thank you all very much. I feel so. In your defense, we didn't put you through the other cold takes we make people do. <laughs> oh, Lord. If you don't mind, uh, one last time before we cut this off, can you go around and introduce yourself and what you do and the film? That you're here to promote. I'm Lisa Donato. I'm a director, writer, producer, activist, and taco lover. Mm-hmm. And euphemism, <laughs> of course, always. And I'm here promoting a film I directed called There You Are, and also an executive producer of Nick Neon's uh, Zero One. Fucking cool. And where can our listeners find you? On director the- Donato everywhere. Cool. Thank you. I'm Mark Blaine. I'm the director, writer, actor of Cubby, a feature film about the babysitter and a leather daddy. And uh, we we premiered uh, our international premiere at Inside Out in Toronto, and it was magical. Uh, if you want to follow the movie, it's uh, on Twitter um, as Cubby Movie 2019. Um, I'm Mark Blaine on Instagram. The second. <laughs> junior. Uh, my dad's name is Mark Blaine. I'm not officially a junior because we actually have different middle names. So there you go. I'm offended. I win. Um, <laughs> and yeah, next we're going to be Cubby is playing at Frameline Film Festival in San Francisco um, on June 24th. And we're also going to a couple other places. We're going to be in Barcelona in a yes. week at um, Mostra Fire. Yeah. I'll see and, you there. Yeah, okay. I'm actually going to that. <laughs> She's a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Next. And Nick? Hi, I'm Nick Neon, and I was the writer, director, and star of Zero One, which is a sequel to the film Ultra Blue, which you can actually find online. Um, You can find me online uh, via my website or Instagram, and it's just Nicky Neon, N-I-C-K-Y. Yeah. I have one more thing that I say Please. Oh, so my movie got um, distribution, and we're um, we sold it for North American rights, so it's also going to be in Congratulations. Canada. Congratulations! Yeah, congratulations! Yeah, Damn, that's amazing. Yes. Um, amazing. Okay. Breaking Glass Pictures yes. is distributing it. Okay. They're a great qu- queer distributor, and we're having one week of theatrical in New York City, and then we're going to be online, and um, Canadians will be able to rent it on various platforms, and then I'm sure it's going to be streaming on I'm I'm going to guess Amazon, but I don't know for sure. 
Cool, and that was Mark, of course. That's me, Mark. Me, Mark. Cubby. Thank you, folks, so very fucking much. From the bottom of our queer... um, Queer assholes are shriveled hearts that are... Hairy assholes. Hairy. Hairy queer assholes. Hairy, hairy. Check it out. Uh, In Cubby, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually an ass double. It was my ass. It was you. I knew it. Or it was mine. ass is not that hairy, (laughs) Elia. I can have dreams. Um, uh, Thanks for tuning in, as usual, to Dickwick. Uh, oh, and thank you to Bo, of course, for orchestrating thank you, this Bo. entire thank you, thing. We love you, Bo. You're so um, special. If you like us, drop us a line. If you hate us, you can also drop us a line. Mm-hmm. We love hate mail. Please, please, please. <laughs> you love it too much, though. Um, uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Patreon, all the places. If you like, you can drop onto your podcast app and click that five star and leave a little review because we're just faggots who need your attention. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. XO. Um, and XO. thank you to our amazing guests again. When you're back in Toronto, we're going to put you through the full like uh, flaming hoop that this <laughs> podcast is. So. I look forward to it. For yes. Tom's butthole. So. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'll bring my gloves. <laughs> Um, a queer. Um, <laughs> see you all next Tuesday. Bye. Do you queer? 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 Do you que